1: Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast Friday night preview show. I can say with full confidence and a big smile on my face that, in fact, it is actually Friday. And it's not often I can say that on what is supposed to be a Friday night preview show. But there you go. Uh, I'm, of course, Stanford Chidge. Uh, I'm now about 80% match fit, so I'm getting there. And uh, as always, I am aided and abetted in my crimes and misdemeanours by the Right
0: Honourable John- Jonathan Kidd. Well, not as always, because I missed Tuesday, didn't I, Chich? You did,
1: actually. We missed missed you too. We
0: missed you too. I was at the cottage watching Fulham be promoted. Yes, I did actually say on air that uh, you were cottaging. Yeah, I thought you would have done. It would have been um, uh, ridiculous if you hadn't, in fact. That's absolutely what I would have expected. But I don't think unless they make about six purchases that they're going to be... uh, much of a threat next year. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, but uh, it was fun, and there people that were saying on the pitch, and it was suggested I get on the pitch, and I thought, no, I don't actually support Fulham, so I won't be getting on the pitch to to go and uh, throw Metro up in the air like lots of the others did. But um, you know, oh, uh, Dan, I was talking. I can't even. Can you introduce that, Dan. people? I haven't, introduce I haven't people. introduced you yet. You can't put your finger up yet. I haven't introduced you. I've got to introduce. You. But I'll introduce you now. Um, somebody on the show tonight, <laughs> who, um, although he's called Silver, is in fact Gold. Ooh.
2: Oh, bless.
0: Ooh. Bless. Ooh. It's that uh, that uh, excellent, excellent wordsmith, and uh, um, terrific uh, Twitter quipper. It is the terrific Dan Silver. Very very kind words. I was actually going
3: to say, did you have a shirt saying? Please, Mitrich can I have your te- your shirt, please. That's what I was asking. No, it's good good to be back. It's been a very long time. It's good to be back. Yeah. How was your trip to the States? Yeah, the trip was incredible. Big shout out to Walker. Um, who took me out Mm. and my friends out for a really good night. Some amazing barbecues and some drinks. It was a fabulous trip.
1: Good stuff. Good stuff. I knew they'd look after you. And uh, who else have we got?
0: JK? Well, I mean, I don't know why I'm bothering to introduce him. He's on nearly every Friday. It's... uh, it's that great he's shaking his head he's shaking his head no he's not really um he, he is on a lot though he's been uh he's been writing his usual drivel no his complete excellence on uh football.london and um he is uh, the absolutely fantastic adam newson thank you jk
1: <laughs> adam it's really good to see you man uh i feel i feel i owe you quite a lot of articles having been uh, in bed for two weeks but there you go how have you been you been all right
2: yeah i've been good i've been good didn't enjoy wednesday night i'm sure we're gonna get into that but yeah i'm all right a lot of traveling over the last two weeks as well yeah yeah
1: well at least you made it out to the bernabeo right
2: yes i did um for one of the best Chelsea performances i've seen probably in europe yeah. But, yeah, we won't we won't go into that too much because it's too disappointing. Well, we
1: we could talk about that instead of talking about the Arsenal <laughs> match. I think that would probably be, be lovely, wouldn't it? Uh, I think it may that may have coincided. I'm trying to remember if I was on the on. I wasn't on the show when we uh, talked about the Real Madrid match, so I missed that. So J.K., you put your hand up. Do you need to go to the toilet or something?
0: I said we can talk. We can talk about Madrid in comparison to the performance. Mm away in Madrid to the recent home performances. We might do there that. Is a, yeah, a correlation.
1: There? We might do that. But look, we are, we are going to kick off with talking about uh, Chelsea's abysmal uh, showing against Arsenal on Wednesday. Um, and as we've got Adam with us, we'll uh, pick up on the, uh, the latest Chelsea news. I just warn Adam now that I, I didn't see the press conference today because I was in my allotment planting potatoes. That's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. So I'm relying entirely on you uh in part two we have uh the love well i won't tell you who it is but we will have an opposition view uh, it'll obviously be west ham related part three uh we are gonna look at the west ham match ourselves of course which is on sunday and we've got a part four this week which i might cut out and make a, a as a special we'll see but we've got paul cannibal joining us later uh, to talk about uh, the Chelsea bids and what he's been up to and all sorts of other things too. So there we go. So pack, 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 pack show tonight. So I shall get on with it. Um, the first question I'm going to ask is to Adam. And uh, uh, how respond? I mean, is, I, 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 know, I know you did the presser afterwards on Wednesday, so I know... I pretty much know what you're going to say, I suspect. but and I, and I know that Tuchel himself actually did point the finger at himself. But I'm, the first question really, Adam, is, is how responsible... Was too cool for that defeat on Wednesday to Arsenal.
2: I mean, yes, to an extent. I, I'm surprised at the team he picked. Uh, I was surprised that, having settled upon Malang Saur and, and Reese James as the sort of the wide centre backs of the of the three, that he didn't go Thiago Silva, just because that seems the most logical thing to do. Uh, other than that, I mean, to be honest, I, that's pretty much the team I predicted, barring Malang Sarr coming in because of Rudiger's uh, injury. So, yeah, I think Tuku is responsible to an extent, but ultimately, he he can't, you know, he can't be at fault for the mistake of Andreas Christensen. Um, he can be at fault for maybe picking him, but you know that that's such a, a routine mistake that, you know, that that's nothing to do with the head coach um, and. I don't want to get into the whole does this squad have the right mentality because I think it's a bit churlish given they won the Champions League this season but I do think there is an element of complacency that kicks in in certain games and, and I'm not sure why when you see that that Chelsea team against Arsenal um, and I don't want to speak for everybody so do correct me um, but I saw that team and thought yeah I, I'm concerned here mm. I'm not sure that's going to do it um, and then you just watch this 90 minutes of Chaos and nonsense unfold, and you're just wondering, surely Tuchel could have seen some of this happening. Um, and he is a brilliant head coach and an absolute genius, so um, there must be mitigating circumstances as to perhaps why he didn't. Um, but yeah, his post match press conference, he was pretty um surly uh, at points. Um, he was asked about the ASP incident at the end, and he sort of said, I sympathize with the fan. um which probably said everything you need to know about his mood because he was extremely pissed off about the penalty um, more than anything seemingly mentioned that uh, specifically. So, see, so yeah, I, I think there is there is an element of Tuchel being at blame for the selection, but ultimately he's not to blame for some of the mistakes we saw from Andres Christensen, from Melang um, and certain other players on that pitch. You know, he, there's only so much he can do um, in that respect.
1: Yeah, I, I, I the sympathy I have with Tuchel at the moment is that he's kind of uh he's he, he it's almost like hope rather than expectation. I I think that well I'm going to talk about this later but I might as well pitch in now but I think we've got a massive issue with exhausted and and fatigued players and he'll know that better than any of us. So I think what he does is he goes I can't keep playing these players because they're absolutely knackered. Um so I'm going to I'm going to have to go against my better instincts and play some of these other players And, of course, every time he does, they play shit and they let him down. So I have some sympathy with him. But, I mean, talking of that, and I will let you in in a minute, Dan. Mm -hmm. Let me just ask JK this because I want to pick up on something that he said a few weeks ago on the show because I wasn't on it when he was on it and he was saying Christensen played really well. Uh, I didn't think he did at all, to be honest. It was against Palace, uh, JK, in the FA Cup semi-final. But... I have to say, mate, I, my, my, my patience is, 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 is snapped as far as Christensen's concerned. It's no, no It was no coincidence to me that he took Christensen off in the semi-final against Palace and replaced him with Silva because he almost let Palace in for a goal. He's making a lot of mistakes. I don't think his head's in the game. He's off. What is the point? Apart from the fact, as I've just said, we, we, we have a lack of bodies. But I would not be unhappy if I never saw Christensen,
0: Lukaku and Malang on a Chelsea shirt again, JK? Um, I would agree completely. I think that the time has come for him never to select Lukaku again. Um, uh, and so it, it, I, I think the difficulty we have as supporters is we know you don't ever want to lose to Arsenal at the bridge because there's so much crowing goes on the following day and it's almost like a cup final for them. And um, of course... Uh, it happened last year, and I think it happened a year before as well, didn't it? And we seem just to not come in with the right attitude towards the fact that this is a uh, a London derby and of great. Um, 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 what's the word? It, it means an enormous amount to every Chelsea fan as Every game means enormous an enormous amount, but you hope that you will be prepared for this fixture. And the the second that we saw the team, it was universal all over Twitter and you know even in my head, that uh, there was going to be a slight problem. However, on previous experience, um, we haven't actually been playing that badly with the people he's slotted in because they seem to be part of the project. But what appears to have happened over the last few weeks is that, uh, those players well they've just become even the better players have become shabby i mean poor old kante just kept giving the ball away non-stop i'm uh likened him in my fan bike to frank sinclair who you know uh, loses the ball gets it back we all cheer um loses the ball again gets it back we all cheer and then gives the ball away to somebody who then goes up the other end has a shot that appeared to be quite the norm but your question was about Christensen. i would disagree with you if somebody actually said to me um a mate of mine was listening to the fancast, he said that you would disagree with me and my attitude towards Christensen in the semi-final. I I I love the fact that we can argue um, over
1: two shows that we're not on. That's just beautiful. (laughs) I love that.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Because, uh, well, it just goes to show that people do listen to the fancast, which is lovely. But I thought that the the particular attacking um, uh, ability that they had palace was was similar to Brentford which is you know they're sitting back and they they break and I thought we'd learnt they we'd learned the lesson and I thought christensen did very well because he snuffed out nearly every attack along with um uh who was the other uh, center back with him um really? uh, I mean well, every time and uh, dave i thought played very well in that game every single time the ball was booted down the pitch which appears to be that which we failed to deal with against Brentford. When we lost 4-1 we dealt with, with it at Palace very well but um I, so I thought he actually played very well indeed I didn't have this this um this this vision of him that he hadn't played well against Palace so um I wonder whether in fact he's suffering from being exhausted and as, as, as Tuchel went on how many have we played we're going to have played 64 out of possible 66 games which I think is um is that practically more than anybody else yeah, is that the uh definitely the situation I, I, I can't remember so um um, I'm, I'm, I've, I've meandered around your original question. That was, uh, I think, about Christensen. But uh, um, no, we, we were discussing, weren't we, about whether we looked at the team. I mean, it, it was it was appalling that Sar came in and um, and played so badly. It was appalling that Dave played so badly. It was appalling that that. Lukaku really is an absolute, it's a waste of time. They don't know how to play with him. He doesn't know how to play with them and he's not making any effort. So, you know, I'd have taken him off very early on and put Pulisic in. So we at least then had three people running around or brought Havertz on earlier. But you wonder, I don't know. I, I, you can always tell from my point of view where I'm sitting in the East, east stand when Tuchel is actually really interested in the game. Because if, he, if he's up for it, he gets, he gets up and it's absolutely in everybody's face. And when he gives in to the whole thing, he sits on the bench and does nothing. And I pass over to you, Adam, because your finger was up.
2: Yeah, no, that's an excellent point, JK. Um, And it's something I sort of noticed as well during the game that Tucker was sort of standing on the touchline, but there weren't the sort of histrionics you expect from him. There weren't the, the sort of outbursts of players and, it was kind of strange. It was almost like a body swap because Arteta was doing that. And that's not the, you know, the, the sort of usual level of, of antics from Arteta. So yeah, I completely get JK's point there. And I do agree that tukul seemed subdued himself um on Wednesday night. And for whatever reason, maybe that did translate through to the players before the game. Because yeah, he, yeah it was very strange watching him because he was standing on the touchline a lot of, of, of the game, but he didn't seem, you know, he talks about emotional investment a lot. And he didn't seem to
1: have the same level as he normally does either. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Dan, I, you, you'd be busting to come in.
3: Yeah, going back to exhaustion, also, you know, like Reese James playing right centre back, where you lose so
1: much from him
3: on the right hand side. You know so,
1: why he's doing that, because yeah, he's worried he about in getting
3: injured. His injury. Yeah. So there's so many sort of almost square pegs in my own holster point. You know, Al- Alonso had an Alonso sort of game. It was just, I mean, I think that there's Arsenal second goal. I think Lukaku made a half assed attempt to get the ball. And then 30 seconds later, we're 2-1 down. I mean, it's, you just think, you know, your big, strong striker, he, he was just insipid and lazy and just didn't seem interested at all. I mean, literally, he could have won that ball. 30 seconds later, boom, we're 2-1 down. Just just thought, it just shows that, you know, our, our squad is is not as deep as people think. There's some players who just, are just simply not good enough to play for Chelsea. Yeah, well, at all.
1: I think on that point... I, mean, I also I, think... Can I just make this quick point, JK, and then let, let you come in, yeah? Because I, I just kind of follows on really from what you both said because i kind of scribbled down a few notes after the game on uh on uh, wednesday and i think we've got a problem with players that are out of form players that are absolutely knackered and players that are injured out of form christensen chiloba georginio pulisic zh lukaku players that are absolutely on their last legs and knackered Sil- Silver, Aspie, kante havertz you could say mount but he just never looks it so i maybe would leave him out of that and then you've got obviously kovacic and rudiger are both injured they were huge misses chilwell we've known about for a while as 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 of course hudson and doy as well and then players that are not good enough uh i would put sar saul and barkley but it does you can't i don't think chelsea whether we've got a deep enough squad or not can afford to have that many players either knackered or out of form and that's what we've got dan
3: yeah, exactly. If you, you know, you look, if you took four key players out of any, like, Liverpool City, they'd all really struggle. You know, our season pretty much changed when Chiwell got injured against Juventus. We didn't replace him. Kennedy, Wari brought him back. I don't think he's had any minute, at, minutes at all, has he? You know, that that's when our season changed, because that he, Juventus he game... Played just, he, he played against Luton. He played against Luton, Dan. Yeah, but generally speaking, that four no against Juventus, we were, like, top of our game. Chihua got injured, we haven't really recovered, you know, and then James out for long periods of time. You know, just just some players that aren't good enough. I mean, Saar couldn't get much for a game at Porto. You know, since as as he gave away that penalty against Plymouth, his 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 game's gone to shit. Because he was he was had a couple of good games in his defence. Christensen, I think, his mind is on a new a new club. I don't think he's you know he's had a couple of good games for us, but you know he, he needs to be in the three and he needs not to be in the centre. Just it's just and it's Arsenal. I mean, they're just this is the worst Arsenal side I've seen mm. for.
1: 20, yeah, they are. 25 yeah, years makes it so annoying anyway jk yeah. sorry Max, i did stop you a minute ago but uh... Um, uh,
0: there were several several things i've just felt that that your point about Lukaku giving the ball away and going for a half-hearted half-hearted um, a challenge and then the ball being up the other end is is absolutely typical of the kind of thing that you th- they know that they strive to avoid which is giving the ball away in areas where it gives the the opposition an opportunity to get up the other end as quickly as possible. So not only is he useless at actually putting the ball anywhere near the net or providing anything for anybody else, that kind of thing sets up the opportunity for an attack up the other end. And I was intrigued by watching Fulham during the week where... Um, one of their full, one of their wingers uh, were, tried to keep the ball in that was his big thing it was going out he kept it in, went into the hoarding everybody went yeah and nobody had, had considered the fact that now um, uh, the opposition Preston had the ball and they just went up the other end and they hit the bar and it's that kind of approach that Fulham will fall foul of unless somebody works out oh actually I've got to come and stop somebody now because they've, they've got the ball on the left hand side two passes in so it's that kind of absolutely fine margin the other thing um just to contradict this is talking about how rubbish we are is that the away form is completely brilliant we've scored 11 goals away in three games and we've we've conceded 11 goals so um you wonder whether you know tuchel came up with this bizarre thing that it was the the, the ball not bouncing properly which i thought was a very low moment for him and he should never have said that because he came across as being a complete idiot but dan is going to disagree with me however i want to make my last point my last point here: Christensen, very quickly because of his terrible displays apparently they're now according to the the press doubting whether he will actually go to barcelona because they've been looking oh, at God, him. No. somebody there's been a report in various spanish papers saying that because he's played so badly they are now doubting whether he is the man for them but anyway Okay, Dan, and then Adam. I don't know which one. Yeah, my,
1: my point was just
3: about yeah. stupid excuses. Fergie, Klopp, they always put stupid excuses. I mean, Klopp used the weather one day when Liverpool lost. It just is a deflection tactic. I don't think he's that serious. It just good managers make ex- excuses to take you know deflection away from the poor performance. Mourinho's done it. Fergie's done it. Wenger did it. Klopp does it. I, I don't take too much, you know, store of what he says, just a diversion tactic,
1: in my opinion. Fair enough, Adam.
0: It's like a uh, dead I, cat, I, is
1: it?
2: I was going to just say, and uh, I sort maybe moving on to today's pressure a bit prematurely, but Tuchel did talk about the pitch again today, um, as a as sort of an issue, um, so it. I, I think there's probably more to it than maybe it felt like half that game because he was uh talking about it being a problem and how uh sort of the pitch wasn't renewed at the right time um it's probably not where it should be at the beginning of the season um and that they felt a difference at home matches and away matches so well maybe not as big a mm. deflection tactic as we thought and a genuine issue that's, That all that, being said yeah go on not mentioned it before so
1: Well, there is that, but there is something a bit remiss or amiss with the home form. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, you know, the last uh, three home matches have been absolutely shocking. You know, 11 goals conceded in three games is not not good enough at all. But um, I do, do, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on.
0: 1993, same point, only a point. First three losses in a row since 1993. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. That, that's that's. I mean, I think that says it all because we were truly crap in '93. But uh, I wonder if it has a lot to do with what actually happened in this match, if you think about it. Because, you know, when when Arsenal scored that third goal, it became a one-nil game. So you know what I was talking about last Friday. I was saying, you know, what they'll do is they'll try and nick a goal and then they'll they'll defend with ten men behind the ball and try and catch us on the break. And that's actually how they played at 3-2. I mean, because the entire first half was nuts, as we know. And I think that's what what people do. We cannot break uh, teams down who defend with 10 men behind the ball. We haven't been able to do that for bloody years, really since Hazard used to be able to find a way through. And and that's what teams do against us. And then, of course, we play far too high at the pitch. And if they've got anybody quick, they just lob the ball up there and boom, they score. And I think maybe that's the problem that we've got at home. Because if you look at our away form, it's absolutely... Un- I mean, I think we've got one of the best away forms in the league. So it was definitely an issue with the with the home form. Um, Adam, just to kind of wrap this up, really. I mean, you know... <laughs> if we'd have won that match we would have pretty much guaranteed finishing third wouldn't we so has it done some damage to us in the race for top four and I think the other kind of ancillary question on that is that are we having to face facts that right at this moment in time we are a cup side not a league challenging side
2: I mean the evidence suggests that is the case um and until Chelsea sort out their home form, um, which was an issue last year as well, um, looking back, um, then then there's no way they can challenge for the title because City and Liverpool are absolutely exemplary at home. They reel off win after win. They do it like, you know, if you you watch the game on, on Tuesday night, Liverpool were done with Manchester United after about 40 minutes and then they could coast through that second half and conserve energy. And that's not really what Chelsea do we are pushed to the 90 minutes we have to give everything. We can't um, move into sort of second gear, um, which is probably then has a knock-on effect in, in the next game. So, yeah, until Chelsea sort out the home form, until until they find that creative player to unlock deep defences or or Tuchel gives his offensive players a little bit more licence to express themselves and, and maybe be as controlled as he wants, then it's really difficult to see us sort of racking up 12, 13 wins that City and Liverpool managed to do um, to, to really chase them down. Um, that being said, you know, I'm sure they'll try next season again. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of big questions that are going to have to be, um, sort of fat answers are going to have to be found in the summer. Um, and given everything that's going on, I'm not sure how easy that's going to be in a single summer, but we'll see. We will indeed. Dan?
3: Yeah, I, mean, I, I agree to your point, but we've been up until Juventus, just, we, we our squad depth is letting us down. Our quality of the squad is letting us down. Because up to Juventus, we were there or thereabouts. Played some amazing football. that we lost to West Ham. Lost Chilwell. We kind of haven't really well, properly had any momentum since then. The, the so,
1: evidence, Dan, the evidence is in in the in the in the. Uh, if you look at the uh, yeah. um, the league table that I've got, we've at, the, the disappointing thing is we've won eighteen matches, which is the same as Arsenal and Spurs. We've only lost five, which is more comparable yeah. to Liverpool and City. But the real problem that we've had is eight draws. And of course, they came, the majority of them came in December, January, when we were struggling with fatigue and everything else. That's yeah. what's cost us the title this season, December and yeah. January.
3: Exactly. But yes, I think, you know, but then had, had, you know, it's if, buts and maybes. And Chilwell not got injured, et cetera, et cetera. James not got injured. Those are two key players. So it's one of those kind of... I think what it means is our squad depth is not good enough. We need to go back to, like, you know, like Liverpool with their front three, they can just rotate and bring in world class players. They've got a brilliant squad, and I'm gonna wash my mouth out with soap when we finished. Um, same in Man City, we need yeah. to really, you know, maybe this new ownership can see a change. I know this is a whole other question new ownership, a change in kind of transfer policy, and just bringing players that managers want.
1: Yeah, we'll
3: you know, we've got so a chance so. to just to build you know a new,
1: a new dynasty. We will, let's hope so. And- yeah. Sorry, it's good. It's, it's, we talk about squad depth,
2: but as we were saying earlier, Chelsea have a deep squad in terms of actual human beings who can play football yeah. to a decent level. It's just that they are all fundamentally mixed and matched and, and not of the same profile. And then when someone like a cheerleader gets injured or going to a Marcus Alonso, who is very, very different in what he can do and then Tuchel's having to adapt and tweak his system to, to compensate for that. And then you lose James and you're going to Asp, and, you know, I know we've spoken about this before but is having that joined up and clarity of an idea to work towards and to build towards yeah. and then you can cover injuries in a far far better way than Chelsea have this season because yeah it, it has killed them at times
1: Definitely right, now uh, talking of uh, uh, the new owners Adam I mean let's talk about the press conference first, if we have time I'll, I'll pick up on a couple of uh, bidding type questions but what, what happened in the press today, anything of note? Uh,
2: Kovacic and Rudiger out of the weekend it's Bad news and- yeah uh, huge hugely bad news um along with like han and sherwell uh obviously mentioned about the pitch um and then there's a lot of talk about the home form top four race i mean it it wasn't a, a probably a vintage thomas Tuchel press conference to be fair um you know he he spoke about Chelsea maybe being a bit fragile at the moment at home um and that happened to change but yeah, I mean, it was much of the same. To be honest, a lot of discussion around the home form um, and and having to to solve that and not to sort of lose themselves uh, all of a sudden. Um, although I did think it was a bit strange. It took all sort of said, spoke about all the individual mistakes and errors that have really been costing us, and sort of went, yeah, I don't I don't really know how to to stop this. To be honest, um, and you kind of understand why he said that because some of the mistakes are not sort of structural issues or, or a player doing a completely bizarre thing. It is, it is just routine mistakes like Mendy not being able to play a 10-yard pass to, to Rudiger or, or Christensen not being able to play a pass back to, to Mendy. I mean, these are not wildly bizarre things a player's doing. These are sort of run-of-the-mill in-game things that but they should be able to do.
1: I think that's mental fatigue, Adam. It yes. goes back to my original point earlier on. And I think that's yeah. why he says, I don't know what to do, because he can't suddenly not make them fatigued.
2: Yes, and there is uh, stuff coming out later tonight. i uh, just took all talking more around all this and, and whatnot, but uh, you'll have to to wait until after.
1: You, you've done a piece on it. Yeah, there's some there's more quotes from tickle,
2: uh just around the, this whole issue of, of mental fatigue and, and playing a lot of games and, and pressure and X, Y, Z. But, uh, but yeah, I can't obviously no, well, read verbatim.
1: People, go and read it later tonight when it comes out at about 10... Half ten, half ten, half ten. Okay, rest of very quickly, J.K. Sorry, mate. Go on.
0: It means he's got to keep a balance between getting into the top four and having the best team available for the cup final, doesn't he? Yeah, really. If so, we may see what we consider weaker teams playing in the uh, in the league, but he somehow can't have them too weak because they've still got to carry on attempting to um, get a European place. Yeah. Because we do want the best side possible playing in the cup final. Yeah. You really want Kovacic playing. You really want um, uh, you want Reese to be playing right wing back. You want um, Silva and Rudiger to be playing there as well. Yeah. Definitely. So uh, it's going to be an in- interesting few weeks of balance. Definitely, Dan.
3: I was just saying, I think in terms of the top four, I think we're going to be okay because Arsenal have got to play Man United and Spurs. Spurs have got to play Liverpool and Arsenal. So I think we should be alright for, for top four. I imagine. I think we'll get enough points. With the remaining games to get top four, I'm not. I'm not too worried about that. It's going to be a bit of a Devon tall style catastrophe,
1: well, like last season and the season before. And I was hoping yeah. we would avoid that. I mean, I was also hoping that we would actually uh, get enough points to be less than 10 points behind whoever wins it, which I presume will be City, because that shows improvement. But having said yeah. that, as I also said on Friday, just look at take a step back here for a second and look look what we've achieved this season given what's been hurled at us. And actually, it's quite phenomenal if you think about it. Adam, talking of which, um, there's been a fair bit of news. Every day, there seems to be a fair bit of news about what what's happening with the various bids. Um, I see that uh, Bowley's hired George Osborne. And weirdly, today, it was announced that Serena Williams and Lewis Hamilton have pitched in about 10 million quid each to the bid, which, to be honest, is, is, is insignificant in terms of the total amount. But it's more significant for other reasons, I think, isn't it?
2: I mean, it adds a bit of glitz to, to one of the bids, a bit of, you know, high profile names. Um, uh, in theory, we were meant to discover who the preferred bidder was by the end of this week. That obviously hasn't happened as as of right now, unless Rain Group decided to leave it until last thing on a Friday to get off their to do list, um, which I doubt. So it'll probably be next week. Um, but yeah, I think there's an element of, of fatigue in terms of this story, and and you know, we it's impossible to know if this is starting to bleed through to the players and and everything because it does feel like it's been dragging on a long time, even though probably for a multi billion pound takeover. It's actually progressed at a rather rapid pace. But um, but yeah, there's new names added to bids every couple of days now. Um, and I'm going to steal someone's joke and say, you know, the reason they probably want to extend Stanford Bridge at this point is so that everybody within these bids can actually fit in because uh, it is getting, um, the list of names is, is just ridiculous on some of them. Like the Pagliuca bid, I'm sure it is a, is a strong bid by, by all accounts, but there are so many people involved in it. Um, there's no way I can remember them all um so i think it's become the same for the other ones
1: now as well yeah i mean is that do you think that's a problem having lots of people involved with these bids
2: um to well i kind of i think it you know depends on how it all plays out when it's actually sorted and whoever it is uh, who does end up owning the club you could probably get a clearer idea of of what roles people play but i guess from a a sort of a an inexperienced view on this because obviously i i don't haven't been involved in big business and takeovers and whatnot um as a as a small small journalist in in the big cog um i don't know to me having lots of different voices potentially is problematic going forward but it depends how much of a say a lot of these people actually have and whether or not a lot of them are just there for a small slice of what is there for from chelsea in in that sense
1: yeah i mean it's 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 interesting isn't it and it does seem to be mad. And by the way, just just to make I, Broughton's brought in the uh, uh, Williams and Hamilton, not not uh, Bowley, as I might have erroneously said a minute ago. But uh, uh, for the just for the uh, benefit of Mr. Stick, who's in Mixler, the the random that uh, Bowley has brought in is George Osborne, who used to be the Chancellor of Exchequer of this great country, my friend, uh, and uh, is also a Chelsea season ticket holder and has been for a long time. I, I remember he was at Munich, for example. Um, so he's not just a random Mr. Stick. Goodness gracious me. Learn your history, mate. Anyway, it's all a bit up in the air, Adam, really, isn't it? That's the the reality. And we're not going to know until we know. I mean, you said that the deadline was supposed to be today. I mean, obviously, we might hear next week. We may not. I mean, we've got until the end of May, haven't we? Uh, for uh, the, you know, the, That's when the licence runs out, although they're supposed to be having to give another licence to, to actually sell the clay. It's all so com- confusing, but... I mean, do, 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 I think the, the question I'm really asking is, you know, does it really matter? I mean, you know, does it matter whether we find out or it all gets sorted out by the end of May, or does it matter whether it's done like now? I mean, is there an issue with time here?
2: I think there is, to an extent of 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 the first team, that this was actually going to always be a very big summer for Chelsea. Um, where big decisions had to be made over big players like Jorginho, like Angola, Kante, who will only have 12 months left on the contract. Um, obviously, there's other big issues like Rudiger's contract. Chelsea can't do anything with that at the moment. Um, and They won't be able to until the club is bought. Um, so in that sense, yeah, there, there is um, an onus, I feel, for this to be done sooner rather than later so that the new owners can come in and we can, uh, well, we, I mean, the club can get a handle on what their approach is going to be, what what finances we're going to have, and how we can actually go into what is is going to be an important transfer window for us. Who oversees that transfer window? Is it Marina Granovskaya? You know, does she do a handover period? Is it somebody else? Because there's Marina Hazle faults, and people are very quick to point it out, but she's the person who would have done a lot of work this season, building relationships, speaking to agents, you know, putting feelers out there ahead of this summer window so if you take that all away and starting from, from nothing with, with these people again so you know from my, my opinion just from a, a football perspective it's important to probably get this done before the end of May because you don't want to be jumping straight into the transfer window trying to rebuild or, or refresh a squad for a title challenge when you've just got owners who are sort of unpacking their boxes still
0: yeah definitely agree with that um, somebody was saying that Marina um, we've got your finger up we've got it I can get it I'm not going to stop for you it's my turn no sorry Dan Thank you. Well, get oh, it's still it, there. It's fingers, still, fingers still up. I'm waiting. Fingers still up. I know we got, exactly. That's what I thought you were going to do. Um, uh, there is a theory that, in fact, they will try and keep Marina and um, somebody even said Bruce Buck on. I don't think that's going to happen. Yes. All right, Dan. We know you're in. We're coming in. Yes. Um, Marina and, across, um, and. Well, I was, but you keep putting your finger up. We know you're coming in. You don't have to keep your finger up. Um, marina was actually going to be kept on by some of the uh oh god bloody and Adams at it all right just yes, get right. on I, with it I, I, For fuck's I, sake. I, I give i've given i've given up to the floor i've given up
1: no no i want I've you to finish up. but just ignore him and
0: just carry no, on i've I finished i've nothing you're
1: you're right yes i i've heard too that most of the bids want to want to keep marina and buck and yes. i can understand why they want to keep marina i can understand why they would probably want to keep other other uh, um executives as well because there's a, a need for transition. Right, final word to Dan on this. No, yeah, pretty much
3: what I was going to say, I think whoever comes on board will probably leave the existing board as it is the first six months yeah. while I get their free table. Yeah. I can't imagine there'll be any huge wholesale changes straight away. No. Maybe no. be a year before we see any, they get their own.
1: In. Yeah, absolutely. But I think inevitably they will want to put their own people. Anyway, yeah. this is a story, as we know, that will run and run and run. But uh, we've got to run now because we've got to go to part two. Um, I, I, Adam, I mean, you're welcome to stay as you always are. But if you've got to leap off, no problem.
2: No, no, will stick around.
1: You're going to stick around? Well, there you go. So I won't thank you for being so brilliant thus far. I can thank you later. Uh, now, before we go to part two, quick shout-out for CFC UK, who I'm supposed to be doing an article for sometime tonight. Lord knows when. But I've got one in the pipeline, DJ, honestly. Uh, anyway, um, you can get uh, this wonderful publication uh, on a match day, of course, by going to the CFC UK store, which is opposite Fulham Broadway Tube. Uh, or you just have to hear the cry of, Arry up, it's only a pound, which you'll hear if you walk along Fulham Road to the stadium. Uh, but if you can't do that, uh, do, do not worry. You can subscribe to it by uh, emailing fanzine at cfcuk.net. Uh, if you want a subscription in the UK, it's 16 quid. If you're in Europe, it's 35 quid. If you're at the rest of the world, it's 45 quid. Uh, if you don't want a hard copy and you can, you just get it emailed to you as a PDF, then uh, it's six quid for a digital subscription or a pound each, and you can pay via PayPal. Right. After the break, it will be time for the Opposition View. Cheech. G- J.K.? In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there, and it's not
0: on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue (laughs) Boys live—it's all too much. (laughs) I know,
1: J.K. I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast for uh, part two, of course, and uh, and we've been a bit lazy recently. we've not not uh, I've not been getting off my ass and getting guests in, but when it comes to West Ham, I have absolutely no excuse because uh, uh, two great West Ham fans are uh, good mates of mine, and uh, it's now time for this. The opposition view. And the Opposition View this week is with the wonderful James Jones from We Are West Ham. Am I right? Have I got it right for once, James? Yeah, you
4: got that right, Chidge. Bang on, mate. I have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I always tempted to call you the West Ham way, which is a completely different one, isn't it?
4: Oh, definitely don't do that, mate. No, <laughs>
1: no, don't do that. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I got it right for once. Anyway, how are you? You well?
4: Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah just uh, just loving life as a West mm. Ham fan at the moment, which is, which is quite rare.
1: Well, indeed. I mean, I was going to kick off with that, really, because uh, I, I mean it's it's been a it's been quite a season for you boys, hasn't it? I mean, most of the season, the, all the talk's been of uh, you know West Ham challenging for the top four, but in in I mean that seems to have slipped away. Although I will talk to you about that in a minute. Um, but of course, recently it's all been about the Europa the Europa League or the Europa Cup. And of course, I mean I know you were out at Lyon the other week, which was a, a tremendous uh, win for West Ham, wasn't it? And I mean mm. you're now in the semi final against Eintracht Frankfurt, who we beat in the semi-final when we won the uh, Europa Cup against Arsenal. Uh, so I'll talk to you about that as well in a minute. But uh, you must be on cloud nine I and mean, you've got a real, real sniff of a trophy, right?
4: Yeah, for the first time since 2006, we've got we've got a real opportunity of actually winning something worthwhile, um, aside from the Betway Cup, which we... Which we've only won maybe twice in. What about eight the Intertoto? Like didn't you didn't oh, you win the
1: Intertoto? Toto? Yeah,
4: we won that in '99. Um, obviously, 2006 was the FA Cup final, which we lost to Steven Gerrard. So, yeah, yeah this is this is literally the first time you know in sort of you know, 18, 19 years yeah. that we can we can really go. Yeah, actually, we've got a real chance of actually winning something here. Um, previously we have been in other semi-finals, other cups, but never really felt like it was on. And at the moment, it feels like it's on. Um, particularly with Barcelona losing to Frankfurt in the previous round has really opened the door for us to go on and yeah we're all just a little bit obviously living on cloud, uh, cloud nine like you said but just almost in a bit of shock as well we're like dazed because two years ago when the pandemic started we, had a, we were a point above the bottom three, David Moyes had just come back, everyone was sort of, you know, didn't really know where we were going to go um, you know accusations of a lack of ambition from the club, of David Moyes coming back and and now, two years later, we're looking for a second consecutive top six finish in the Europa League semi final, and it's all just happened so quickly that we are not able to stop and actually take stock of how far the clubs come and how far David Moyes has taken us. It's, it's, it's pretty mental, really.
1: Hmm. I mean, do, do you think it's all down to David Moyes' management?
4: I think, I think ninety percent of it is. I would say that you know one the the clearest thing he's the change he's made since he came back was, um squad togetherness and bringing and building a relationship between the fans and the squad. I can't remember the last time but I had where I had genuine love for about 15 other blokes as I do now. Um they're just they're just incredible and they, they there's a mutual respect between the fans of the players and the manager and the coaching staff which I can't remember ever having as a West Ham fan. And that's one of the big changes he's made and on with that comes confidence for the players. It's a thin squad. It's a tight knit group of players. There's all these criticisms of not having a big enough squad, not investing enough in in the transfer windows. Um, but I think that's worked in his favour uh, a little bit because you know with a smaller squad he can get the best out of them, and you know they're just fighting for each other every week. And I think that's all down to him. It's all down to the man management and, and the work he does on the training pitch. Um, so yeah, it's it's mostly down to him, I think, and, and the fans acknowledge that straight away
1: mm. I mean talking to the, the fans I mean I, I think I'm probably gonna I, I know what you're gonna say here but uh you know obviously there was a bit I mean I know a lot of West Ham fans who were pissed off about having to move to the uh the, the London Stadium the Olympic Stadium call it what you will because they mm-hmm. they, they loved uh Upton Park and and everything that it meant and, and it was a horrible place to go I can vouch for that um really tight little stadium mm. and, it, and it was a great atmosphere down there you know and You've now got fifty thousand uh, fans in there every week, uh, which has put you on another level as well, I think. And uh, that can that can be great, and it can have drawbacks. But what is the atmosphere like there now?
4: This season, um, as if we, as if we, it was, it's been a home for for many many years. Like, mm. yeah, you do get gammed I mean, the Burnley game last weekend. It wasn't. It wasn't. Fantastic, But the same can be said for Upton Park all those years ago. It wasn't absolutely bouncing, absolutely rocking every single game. No, exactly. You needed those big, big results, big occasions to really make it feel like home. Um, and over the last five or six years, we've had those big wins. You know, the severe win in the last 16 Europa League was the best night I've experienced over there since we moved. It was absolutely rocking from start to finish. Even before the game, it was absolutely bouncing. And it felt like home. And it, you don't even think twice about it now. Obviously, you still pine a little bit for Upton Park, and that's just that's only natural. But it it feels a lot more like home now. And that was always going to come with a little bit of success on the pitch. The first three years, four years of being there, we were in relegation battles. Mm-hmm. You know, we had terrible players. Um, we were losing three nil at home to Brighton on a Friday night and and things like that. And it was it just it was like, what what was the point of moving? Now we're beginning to see the reasons why why the club wanted to move you know, and beginning to get what we were promised as part of that move, which was success and, and, and some, and a bit of a European tour. So it, it's a lot better now. The atmosphere is a lot better. Um, and long may that continue, mate.
1: Well, indeed, I think, I think I'm going to, I mean, I take your point as well, actually. I mean, it's, I think there's a very interesting dynamic with atmosphere at a lot of clubs, but uh, I mean, we, we often have a very duff atmosphere if we're not playing somebody you know where there's some real jeopardy. You know, if it's like a really big match against a rival, then obviously the atmosphere is great. If you're if you're playing somebody like you know Brentford or or, or Stoke or or Middlesbrough or whatever, you know, then it's just not the same. So I take your point. Mm. Uh, I think I'm mm. not, I think I'm going to know the answer to this one too, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, would you rather win the Europa Cup or would you rather finish in fourth?
4: You win the Europa League all day long? Yeah, yeah all day long. We've not won anything for forty odd years. Yeah. Um, I've not seen anyone, uh, any West Ham captain lift a a trophy of any meaning in my lifetime, uh, apart from a couple of playoff trophies and a Betway Cup uh, and an Intertoto Cup certificate, which you reminded me of earlier. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, all day long, Europa League. Mm. We didn't expect to be where we are now um let's go for it let's get let's get that trophy
1: yeah i mean it, it stands to reason doesn't it i mean not least of course because if you do win it you'll you're getting the champions league anyway so yeah you, you don't even need to finish in the top 4 uh so uh, i can understand i mean yeah m- trophies all day long I, I think anybody i mean only arsenal fans would say i'd rather finish top 4 because that's because <laughs> they're weird and they drink lattes but there you go um yep. I mean, the reality is, though, James. I mean, the 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 you know the the league form's been struggling a bit recently. You've had one win in uh, four league matches uh, recently, so you know it it looks like uh, finishing fourth might be a, a, a step too far this season. Plus, the fact of course, us managing to screw up completely against Arsenal has let them back in, and and Spurs, you know, they're they're there or thereabouts. So, um, I, you know. My fear about West Ham coming to the bridge is the same as I say to you every year when we do this spot, James, is that you will turn up, because it's us, because it's at Stamford Bridge, you'll turn into 1970s Brazil and squeak a 1-0 win or something. <laughs> but, I mean, I I do wonder about it this time. I mean, I mean, we've got clearly got quite a few problems ourselves before we even think about West Ham. But I know that you've got uh, a lot of your defence are injured. I know that uh, Antonio's, you know, hit a, a bit of a dip in form. Uh, I also know that you're playing Eintracht Frankfurt next Thursday, so I kind of do wonder if this is a good time to play you, and that you might have one eye on the Europa Cup next Thursday. So, what what do you think?
4: I definitely think it is a good time to play us. You you mentioned the defensive injuries; that's a real big blow for us. One fit centre back um, in Craig Dawson, who, by the way, is is Ballon Ballon Dawson. Ballon Dawson. He's just been absolutely what two million quid he cost us, and he's been outrageous. But I think now we're we're beginning to see, and I think it was quite evident in the Burnley result last weekend was a couple with a little bit of tiredness from Thursday night, but I think David Moyes is now going to go all out for the Europa League. I think, as you rightly said, top four is probably gone. Um, We can still finish in the top six, but it doesn't really matter if we go all out for the Europa League and the Europa League is certainly winnable with the three other teams that are still in it. Um, And, I think that's going to be the focus, not just with David Moyes, but the players as well. They know what they can potentially achieve. Um, and if they can achieve that, then what they do in the league doesn't really matter. Uh, but I'd still like to see us finishing at least the top seven and qualify for Europe again, even if it's for the conference league, I don't really care whether it's the conference league or, or whatever, but with that in mind, I do think it's a good time to play us. Antonio, four goals in 30 games. I think he scored for us. Um, there's a possibility with the injuries that Declan Rice could go back into midfield, mm. which of course means. You mean, in defence, you mean? Uh, yeah, in defence, which of course means that you know we lose what he gives us in the middle of the park. Um. So yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit worried going into this one purely because of everything I've just said, but at the same time, I watched Chelsea on the other night against the Arsenal, and I thought to myself doesn't matter how, how badly we play. i think we've got we've got a chance here. we've got a
1: chance mate you're right if we play if we play anything as badly as we did against arsenal on on sunday then we are we are in serious trouble and uh, i mean he he picked the wrong side for a start um i i i'm kind of done with Christensen, if the truth are to be told and i, mean, I know his mistake uh, led to the first goal obviously which doesn't help Psar uh, i just don't think he's good enough to play for chelsea uh, and i think the problem that we have is that we've got Um, a lot of very knackered players uh, and I think we're beginning to to reap uh, the whirlwind of what happened in December you know when we we Mm. had so many games to cram in in the space of about six weeks so we never got the chance to rest players then we also got players who were injured then we got players who were out with Covid so a lot of players have had a lot of miles in their legs this season and I'm thinking of players like Jorginho I'm thinking of players like Kante Uh, Mason Mount even although he doesn't ever seem to get tired. Uh, Silver's you know 36 so it's tough to play him every game. So you know we've got a lot of very knackered players we've got a lot of injuries too. Kovacic is out he's a massively key player for us. Uh, Chilwell you obviously know about Um, you know uh, Rudiger was missing uh, against Arsenal which was massive for us and he may well be missing again on Sunday because he's got a groin issue. So we've got injuries we've got fatigue and we've got some players who are just not good enough there are there are, you know i think if anything what wednesday revealed was that actually our squad depth is not as good as people were saying it was we've mm-hmm. got we've got an amazing first kind of 13 14 players and we can beat anybody in the world on, on our day with those players but you lose a few key players and suddenly you know it's it looks a bit shaky so you've got to catch us at the right time and, and who knows whether you will. I was thinking, actually, it's interesting, isn't it, talking about Declan Rice having to maybe play in defence instead of midfield. And, you know, looking at that game for Chelsea uh, against Arsenal, it was crying out. We are crying out for a player like Declan Rice. And I know everybody talks about it and all the rest of it. I mean, my own view, James, is that we, we won't be able to afford him because you'll charge so much it will just will be priced out. Yeah. But we are crying out for a player like him because you, you look at uh, Kante and Loftus-Cheek in midfield, uh, against Arsenal, for God's sake, Arsenal of all people, and they've just overrun, overrun in midfield. That's why you have the problems in defence, and it's also why we have the problems in attack as well, because our mm. midfield is, is a real problem, and what we don't have is a destroyer in that midfield. We don't have somebody who can who can win the ball and then move forward. Mm. We've got Jorginho who can control a game and pass it sideways and backwards until he's, until we all fall asleep, uh, we've got Loftus Cheek, who's one minute great, the minute next minute not so good. We've got Cante, who's, I think, either I don't know. I think he's a bit injury plagued at the moment because he's been so overplayed. We're missing Kovacic, so you know, if we had a Declan Rice in that midfield, we could play we could play four three three, and I think you'd see a very different Chelsea then. So. Uh, it's quite ironic that we're talking about Rice. Anyway, more enough of me. I've invited you on to talk about West Ham, not me to talk about uh, Declan Rice needing to play for Chelsea. I mean, you know my little kind of idea that I always get very worried when West Ham come and play Chelsea. I mean, the, the reality is you've only won one of the last 16 matches at Stamford Bridge. You've drawn four and lost 11. Now, if if you told me that, if you'd have told me that, I'd have laughed at you because every time I, I see us play West Ham, I shit myself because I think you're going to beat us by one nil or something else, or it's just going to. You know, I always get worried playing West Ham because they always turn up. That's what my that's what my, what I think, but the, the stats say different.
4: Yeah, I think Stamford Bridge has never been a good place for us to go, but we seem to be a lot better at, at home against you. But mm. um, the the thing about West Ham this season is that. Um, and this is another re- another thing that David Moyes has, has has done somehow is that we don't get turned turned over by anyone. No one, you know, even even if they're knackered, i.e. the Brentford game and the Burnley game recently, after Europa League games or, you know, injury crisis and, and all the rest of it, we don't get turned over. You no, know, even in, in years gone by, you'd you'd look at this game as a West Ham fan and go, we could lose this one four or five nil. Doesn't matter whether Chelsea are out of four, whether they've just been beaten by Arsenal. And they've got their own injury problems. You know, we're going to lose this four or five nil, and it's going to be it's going to be terrible. Now you go into it, go okay. Well, we might not win, but we're not going to get turned over, mm. and that then allows us to still be in games and still and still catch teams. Well, like on the, th- the break,
1: three two, like the three two. Uh, uh, like uh, the three yeah. two.
4: Um, we just don't get turned over, and I hope I'm not jinxing that now. <laughs> but um, it's it's something that we've been saying all seasons that you know, with the pace of Bowen going forward and and. Declan Rice in midfield, if he plays there at the weekend, um, Antonio, who, yeah, okay, he's not scoring, but does a very good job of pulling defenders all over the pitch and allowing the likes of Bowen, Lanzini, Ben Rahman to get into space. Um, we've got a chance. We've definitely got a chance. Um, probably more so than in previous seasons, I think, even when you consider the fact that we've got pretty much both eyes and another competition and we've got no defence. Um, so that's, that's what I'm clinging on to at the weekend, mate, is that, you know, the fact that we don't get thrashed anymore, yeah. which was always a problem with West Ham for many years. Um, it means that we're always in games and that, that means that we've always got a chance of of taking something away from difficult places or notoriously bad places for us to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, the bridge I don't think is the fortress it used to be, certainly if you judge by this and the last season. But uh, mm. do, do you think Moyes will pick his strongest team? And uh, if not, who's likely to be the biggest threat to us then?
4: He he will go as strong as he possibly can. That's another thing that we've noticed is that even when I mean he's got a thin squad anyway, so he can't really rotate that much. Um, but even when you think, okay, he might he might rest a few players. We've got Europa League game coming up on Thursday. He hasn't. You know the the game before the Brentford game before we played uh, Leon in the second leg. Mm. He was playing Zuma, Declan Rice, Jared Bowen. Um, Zuma got injured in that game, unfortunately. But you mm. know it was it was a fully full strength eleven at Brentford. Um, so I think it will be as strong as he can go. Um, the big question mark is is where Declan Rice plays, but the, the key man for us is Jared Bowen at the moment. Yeah. Like he's just just on fire, mate! Like and he's he scored 15 goals already this season. That's more than anyone has in one season for us for about 15 years, mm-hmm. which is mad in itself when you think about it. Um, and he's just in really really good form and. Regardless of what side of the pitch he plays on, you know, he can score with both feet. He's he's tricky, he's pacey um, and he'll finish from anywhere. So get him on the ball and we've, we've got an opportunity and he's one that I think particularly I'm looking at with, you mentioned earlier, um, Christensen, potentially no Rudiger. Um, there's a Chelsea defence there that Jared Bowen might be looking at and going, yeah, I've got, I can have a bit of luck today. I could have a bit of luck if I get on it. So, and I'm sure the, the players in and around him will be thinking he's exactly at the same thing.
1: Well, indeed. I mean, he's. It, I would imagine he'll start on the right. I mean, you'd be stupid not to, really. And yeah. I mean, even. I mean, the the team I've I've put out. I, I desperately want to see us play four four three. Well, basically it's four three one two, but four three three and old money, because I just don't think we've got uh, enough. If, if I'm assuming Rudiger won't play, so I've got Silver and Chaloba as the central defenders, James on the uh, as, as the as the right back, and Alonzo as the left back, because that is basically the only choice we have. And Alonso is a fine player, but he's rubbish defensively. That's why he has to normally play uh, as a left wing-back. So, you know, I I mean, you can't play Saar again. I mean, he was awful against Arsenal, so surely he can't play. So, basically, you've you've got Bowen against Alonso, which scares the shit out of me. I mean, we had Saka against Alonso... Uh, on on wednesday and that was bad enough so mm. it is a worry um but i do think that we'll be that we'd probably be better suited to that but I, you know he's bound to play four three, uh, 4 3 3 and do something completely different but yeah bowen i think is a real is a real worry for us um i don't i'm not so sure about Anto- antonio they might raise his game against us he has done in the past how how do you think it's going to go mate
4: i think it'll be tight mm. like i said we we, we we've, we're very difficult to beat even you know, even in the games that we have lost this season, it's not been easy for for anyone to do that. Um, so I think it'd be tight. I'd def- I'll certainly take a, a point now, given the given our injury situation at the back. Um, I, I see us allowing Chelsea to have a lot of the ball uh, and catching Chelsea on the break. That's where we've had a lot of our success over the last two years, particularly away from home against better teams. You know we're quite happy to soak up pressure, um, even with a makeshift defence on Sunday. I still think that would be the way that they'll go, and they will just soak up, soak up a little bit of pressure and then catch on the break with the pace of ben Rama, Bob, and Antonio, um, and we'll, we'll try and get something that way. I think, um, and that will suit us down to the ground. I think. Yeah,
1: I mean, again, that's one of the reasons why I've gone four three one. Well, he likes playing basically mount behind Werner and Havertz. If Lukaku starts, I'm I'm just going to. I don't know I'll just I'll disappear I'll emigrate or something but you know I'm presuming you will pick pick Werner and Havertz and Mount up front but I think if you play Jorginho in the middle of the three then you've also got him to basically shield the back four because I think we're going to need that because the way you play I think you play what four two three one mm. you know we could get outnumbered in that kind of area if we're not if we're not careful um, and that's kind of what happened against Arsenal really you had Loftus-Cheek and Kante bombing forward all the time and and you know, they just countered us and we were just we were just picked off.
0: Mm. So
1: hopefully I think he'll 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 do what Uncle Chidge says, you know, because I clearly know far more about management and coaching than Thomas Tuchel, obviously, you know. But yeah. uh, uh, that's my hope, but we shall see. Because I, I think it's gonna be a tough game for us, I really do. But uh, you're you're going what are you gonna go for score wise?
4: I've gone for draw on the charity bet. So I'm I'll say one 0 Yeah. I'll go one all.
1: Yeah. All right. I've got I've gone two one in mine and I think I said 2-1 to to will the other day on, the, on on the on you know your equivalent of doing this uh which is which basically because I we do this uh, predictions league uh with the fancast has got his own own league and uh that is a percentages uh prediction it really is I mean you know yeah. You, yeah exactly it's damage limitation so I really have no idea but I'm going to go for 2-1 for us but there we go we'll we'll find out on Sunday afternoon won't we James
4: yeah we'll find out um Strangely, not. Strangely, I'm looking forward to it, but I can't. Kind of, like, like the team, probably have. I just want to get out of the way because yeah. I want next Thursday to come. Yeah. I'm just yeah. so excited about that. So is it got, week... is it the home leg first or are you away first? It's the home leg first, so I'll be going to that. Yeah, um, and then away the week later, which I'm not going to. I'm gambling with the final. Um, I've booked up for the, for Seville on the final, which means I've not been able to uh, find the money for Frankfurt. So oh, I've gambled with that.
1: Well, yeah, that's a bummer. That Uh, they they are they are quite a tough side, Frankfurt. When they came over to play us in the semi final, I think we were away in the first leg, and it was quite a tense match over there. And then when we when we had them over at the bridge, um, I mean, this sounds a bit a bit wanky, really, but uh, you know, we're used to watching you know semi finals in the Champions League at Chelsea, so the Europa Cup semi was not the draw it might have been, if you if, if you see what I mean. Mm. And uh, Frankfurt fans, I mean, they're nuts, but that, yeah. loads of them got tickets. They were all over the in hospitality. They managed to get a massive little uh, pocket in the West Lower, you know, because basically people were just flogging their tickets and they were getting hold of them. So they do anything they can to get in and they'll bring a lot of people. I mean, they had 30,000 people went over to the Camp New, didn't it? Didn't, didn't it? <laughs>
4: Yeah, I think a lot of West Ham fans are worried about that. Um, I don't think you'll went... be
1: flogging your tickets to them like we were, though.
4: No, but there's there was, there's been a lot of fans <laughs> that have been to every game and still didn't manage to get get tickets for this one. Uh, the, the ticket uh, site crashed when it went onto general sale, um, and there's a lot of uproar about that. And now there's a there's a, a ticketing website flogging tickets on there for about three hundred quid a pop. And now West Ham fans are like, well, if there's a load of Frankfurt fans in the in the home end?" Then we know exactly what's happened there. Yeah. But um, there is a bit of a worry. Um, but at the same time, we've been trying to do that in every away leg. We've been trying to get home in tickets because there's been not enough away tickets. So, you know, you can't really you can't really blame them for trying to get a ticket for for this really. So um, as long as it's not 30,000, which would be a little bit worrying. Yeah. Um, I don't mind if it's your one or two. It just has to the atmosphere, doesn't it? Well,
1: it does indeed. Well, look, either way, mate, I-, I wish you absolutely no luck on Sunday, obviously. But I do wish you a lot of luck against uh, Frankfurt and actually, I hope I, you win the uh, you win the Europa Cup. Actually, I think that'd be great for you lot, and I wouldn't begrudge you that at all. So I wish you all the best with that. And uh, thanks, mate. No doubt, I will. Uh, I we, we won't be playing you again this season, so I, I won't see you until next season, unless I do creep up to Snack Media and have a beer with you and Martin and Niall, which I would love to do, as I said earlier on. So uh, enjoy the rest of the season. Good luck for the Europa Cup, and thanks for coming on as always, James.
4: Pleasure, chid. Thanks, mate.
0: fans real opinions.
3: I'm Jason Cundy and
0: you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea FootballFancast.com
1: Okay, welcome back. This is Stanford Chidge and the Chelsea fan cast, and uh, we're now in part three. Uh, we just had a brilliant, brilliant opposition view with uh, James Jones from We Are West Ham, and as always, I am aided and abetted by the uh, effervescent, sometimes a little bit prickly, but nevertheless very lovable Jonathan Kidd.
0: Oh, really? Prickly? Me? Prickly. What? Prickly. What? Yes. What are you prickly. Prickly, Yeah. Prickly, prickly. Like and A fucking bloody hedgehog, finger man. up all the time. It's almost pointing at my face. Well, just ignore just, it. Sit up. Ignore it. I can't ignore it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna mask him. I'm masking. Yeah, but you him see, the,
1: if else. every time you you draw attention mask. to it, you go on for
0: longer. Whereas, you, and, you, do, and then you forget I'm your irritated. point. And then My you forget answers, your point. you just said, well, Marina, it's the fingers up? Hang on, it's like, you know... I know, it's, well, it's, if
1: you ignored it, you'd actually finish your point, and then, if it, we, you know, anyway... No, I,
0: I can only mask. I can only... He comes forward to the screen with the finger, and the finger takes over the screen. It's just... Uh, All right. You're professional, anyway, JK, hello.
1: come on. Anyway, JK, hello. as always, good to see you. I missed you uh, last Tuesday, and, of course, the previous Friday. Dan... Haven't seen you for ages. Lovely to see you as always. It's good to be here. And I'm even more delighted, don't take this personally, folks, but I'm even more delighted to say that we still have Adam Newson with us, which is a rarity, but uh, very, very pleasant for us all. Good to see you too, Adam. Thank you Very much, Judge. good to see you too. And Adam has been very judicious about putting his hand up. I'll just have that noted for the record. Anyway, um, we're now going to uh, talk about the Chelsea uh, versus West Ham game ourselves. And uh, as ever... As ever, I have done a team selection for you all. Now, one thing I didn't talk about in part one, which is something I did, again, talk about on Friday, but I have a I have a suspicion that one of the other things that went wrong on, on Wednesday night against Arsenal was the fact that we had a two-man midfield of Kante and Loftus-Cheek, which basically was either bypassed or just went through like a knife-through butter. Nobody did any defending. The back three were not shielded at all and as ever there was you know about as much creativity going up front as there always is although I thought Werner had a good game and I was saying on Friday I think that um I think I think that Tuchel really does want to play for uh 3-2-1-2 uh, or four, three, three, if you prefer rather than three, four, three. and I think given the issues that we've got with our wing backs and also our central defenders at the moment I can see the sense in that so uh, I've gone for a four Basically a 4-3-1-2 because I know he likes to play Mount behind Werner and Havertz and I've got no problem with that. Some people might even say that this is 4-diamond-2. Remember that one from the 90s people? Yes, indeed. Anyway, so this is what I'm going for. Uh, And this is obviously taking account the fact that uh, Kovacic and Rudiger are both out injured. So, Mondi in goal. Silva and Chaloba will be our centre-backs in a back four because I don't want to see Christensen play again. Uh, Reese James plays right back because um, I still think he's better than Aspie there, really. Uh, Alonso has has to play left-back, because there is not, there is no alternative. There is nobody else who can play that, much as the thought of Bowen rinsing him is going to scare the shit out of me. But Alonso it is. And then I've got a three-man midfield, because I think this is where it might really help. Uh, jo- we know Kovacic is out, so it's basically Kante, Jorginho, Loftus-Cheek. But I think we do need Jorginho in there, and I think in a... F- In a 4-3-1-2, what Jorginho can do, he can be much more defensive. He can more or less shield the back four, which is what I think he'll have to do, actually. And we know his distribution's much better. And yet you've still got two midfield players who can go forward. We know that Loftus-Cheek and Conte can both do that. uh, And I think that that's what we need. If you've got Mount effectively at the tip of that diamond, that provides a nice link between the midfield and Werner and Havertz. And we know that Mount can pretty much play anywhere across that area. So... Uh yeah, Conte Giorgino Loftus Cheek, Mount Werner Havertz. I
0: commend this to the house, JK. Um, I think he'll play James where he played him before, because I still don't think he thinks he's fit. Um Chalabar is on the naughty step for having turned up late. I'm not convinced that he'll pick him because I think he thinks his attitude is wrong. I think he'll give Kepper a go, because I think Mandy is looking um decidedly iffy in all areas at the moment, other than his ability to saved the ball wonderfully. I just think he might give him a go. Um, uh, I don't think there'll be any memories of uh, of, the, of his error against West Ham before, but I just, I just feel he might change it round there. Um, I think he'll play five. Um, I think he'll play Saul on the left instead of Alonso or Pulisic, one of the two. Um, just because I think uh, uh, Alonso is it, such a strange player, isn't he? And that he, excels in some games and we think blimey he's a terrific player isn't he like wonderful against Madrid I suppose it's because he's spends most of his time attacking but every time he gets defensive I, I think Alonso would get completely rinsed by um by uh what's his face Jim Bowen. Jim Bowen But so I think he'll play somebody yeah 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 I think he'll just play somebody who's quicker and I think um it's either Saul or Pulisic for me I think he'll, he'll play Kante and Jorginho and and I think I think, no, I think he'll play um uh because you've got the five, he'll play he'll play Jorginho and Kante. And I, I have to say I thought Cheek was terrible yeah. in the Arsenal game. Agreed. Absolutely terrible. And considering considering he'd been you know um praised to the to the skies for his performance against Palace with his goal, then he did look good coming forwards. But um we were back into a world of worrying whether he was in fact good enough to play for Chelsea, which has been my fear all season. Um uh, and I think you're paying Mount Havertz and Werner exactly as you say, because um uh even Havertz cameo when he came on um in, instead of Lukaku, he just creates so much space and move, movement. It's fantastic. I thought Mount, you know, Mount has been um you talk about effervescent, I think Mount has been effervescent every game, and I think he keeps going. And I think Mount must it, Mount is just uh, a joy to watch the effort he puts in. And Werner is surprising us all. As you say, Chidge he had a decent game against um Arsenal. At least he, he looks to be able to control the ball better. He ran to situations. He had a couple of shots that were unfortunately had decent blocks to them, but he looks much more confident than he has been. So I think I would agree with those three there. But I say I think I don't think you'll play Alonso. I think you'll play play um five and you'll play P- Pulisic or, or Saul down there. So who, who, are the, who, the, who are the
1: three centre backs um, then?
0: Um uh James Silver and um uh Christensen. Oh, uh, who and Chris And Christensen, yeah.
1: So he'll have Aspie yeah. as playing right right wing back, like he did the other night. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's, how I, that's what I think will happen. So JK's not buying my four three one two. Dan, what about you?
3: I agree with JK. I don't think he'll. Thanks, play Dan. Kepa like I
1: like you too a lot.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's already said that Mendes is goalkeeper. So I don't think he'll play Kepper. I think he might well play Pat Pulisic for the pace to cope with Bowen. Um, I don't think Sal will play. Although you might surprise him to throw Sal in at the starting point alongside Jorginho. you know. I think the front three pick themselves. Timo's really found some form. He's looking like the player we wanted to sign. He's a lot confident and good since the Hampton games. So I think, yeah, I think Pulisic wing back. Is Calvin fit or he still out? Adam, he's out. Yeah. So nice Pulisic wing back. I don't think he'll play Reese James wing back. I think he'll play centre back as well. So it's Reese James, Silver. Maybe Chiloe will get a game again. Maybe he's made his penance.
1: Mm, I hope so. You know, yeah. We
3: need something his cope with Antonio's pace down the middle. We do. Chulubh and and, and strength
1: and strength. Yeah. It's not a game for Christensen if Antonio's playing.
3: No, Christensen, I've, I've always said Christensen's not physically strong enough to play in the two, and mm. I think he's he's quite weak for centre half. Yeah. Always, always maintain that he's not physically imposing centre back.
1: Yeah, definitely, Adam. What about you? Like my last, my last chance for redemption here for my four three one two. Are you a fan, or are you saying it's going to be three four three again?
2: I mean, I I, I like your team, but I imagine Tuchel will probably go to the three. Um, I'm not quite sure where this Chalaber being on the naughty step is come from. I think um, I read
1: it in Football London. Did you? <laughs> I think I'm only joking. I I actually think I might have done. Funnily enough. I certainly read something somewhere along the line. It'd be late. I can't believe it. my only source is Jonathan. Otherwise, I'm in trouble.
2: Oh, I'm going to have to try and find this out because um, I've not heard
1: that. Um,
0: so he yes. arrived late. He was late for training. He was late for training. Adam and was um, was that's why he wasn't picked the other day.
2: I will. I uh, will look into this.
0: Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I Perhaps think I wasn't supposed to say that
1: <laughs> oh. I've heard it somewhere else because it, it wasn't from you because I haven't spoken to you for a week so anyway well, true, we digressed Adam carry on <laughs> I would imagine
2: it would be Mendy um, and Goal Chalobah right centre back no actually Aspi right centre back Silva centre and Chalabar on the left Mm. Uh, which he did play last season on when he was on loan. Um, Reece, right wing back. Honestly, I in the midfield, I really don't know. Um, I, part of me just thinks he'll go with Kanté and Jorginho as a let's get back to basics, almost what's worked before really well. Um, and then Marcos, left wing, back. And then Mount, Havertz and Werner are pretty much the non-negotiables up front at the moment. Yeah,
1: definitely are well. I normally get it completely wrong. I'm, I've just got a real bee in my bonnet about this for uh, having three in midfield. because, And I, I think actually against this West Ham side, it'll be particularly important because they play 4-2-3-1. Uh, there's a chance that, uh, because they don't actually have a defence at the moment, I mean, half of their defence are injured, uh, there's a chance, and as you know, because James was uh, saying uh, um, in part two that he thinks that Declan Rice might actually end up playing in defence for them. They're so strapped at the moment. But nevertheless they do normally play 4-2-3-1. And they're, 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 you know, Bowen, uh, Lanzini, I can't remember who else plays there now, but, uh, you know, that's quite a handful. And it's quite a handful in a, in, a, in an area where we, we are often found to be weak. So if I, I felt that if you had Jorginho literally playing as a deep-lying central midfielder and shielding our back uh, four, let's say, or back two, then I think it might give us some protection against them in that vital area. But... Like we were saying, the real the real warrior is Bowen because he's in, in in good form for West Ham at the moment. He scored something like 15 goals, according to James. Uh, so we need our left side uh, absolutely at its best. And uh, if it's got Alonso in there, I'm not entirely convinced that it will be from certainly from a speed point of view. But there you go, um, JK. You don't
2: want to play Malang, at left back,
1: I'm frankly, mate. I'm sorry he impressed me a few times earlier on in the season, but after that display against Arsenal, I just don't think he's good enough, mate. He's not good enough for Chelsea, you know? And I think this is the problem that, that, uh, that, that, that Tuchel finds himself in. I'm a bit, I'm a bit, if I'm, I'm a bit disappointed actually, that he's resorting to players like satsar when maybe he could be playing some players from the, uh, from the, you know, the, the youth team, the, some of the younger guys, but there you go. Um, What I was going to say, really, JK, is that West Ham, it's it's funny, isn't it, with West Ham? Every year we do this show and we come around to West Ham, I shit my pants because I think that they're going to turn up and play like 1970s Brazil and nick a 1-0 win. And I've got it in my head that that's what they always do. But the truth of the matter could not be more different, in fact. They have actually won one. Of the last 16 head-to-heads at Stamford Bridge. They've drawn four and lost 11. So where I get it in my head that West Ham are going to turn up to Stamford Bridge uh, and play brilliantly like their cup final and nick, a, nick a, a, a win, I don't know. But that's the impression I always have.
0: I think it was Chicharito coming on and scoring for them. Do you remember? Yeah, when, I do. I, I sat with Tony that day. Yeah. I sat with Tony that day. We said, we, right. predicted we, said we predicted it. We all predicted it. We all had the same telepathic thought at the same time. thinking: "He's coming on. He'll score absolutely." And of course, he did. And I think they won then, didn't they? Win in that game? Yeah, last
1: uh, almost. Yeah. I thought they might. Have, like they either drew. I don't think it's on our on our little sheet. Because... No, it, was a, it was a draw.
3: Two two. I think it was.
1: Yeah, they got they got a result out of it. That's for sure. They got a result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that the one where Hazard scored? That absolutely. No, go on, mate. I I, I can't remember anyway. I was going to
3: say, what's the game where um, Alvin Martin-Sumkin is won an only game
1: for them? Oh, yeah. It might yeah. have been. Yeah, yeah. But, as I said, they've only drawn four in the last 16 at the bridge. So, again, that's a spurious... Uh, it's a, we have this weird view about them, I think. Um, JK, um, I have a theory, and it'd be interesting to hear what Adam says about this as well, but I have a theory that uh, they might have one eye on the Europa League. I mean, if, as, as you've all just heard, James is way more pumped up for uh our Iron Track Frankfurt than he than he is for playing us on Sunday and normally he'd be very pumped up for playing us. So Adam, I mean they have got Iron Track Frankfurt next Thursday. They they are all absolutely desperate to, to to do well in that competition and win it. So do you think that Moyes might have one eye on it and they don't have a very deep squad, so and they've got half a defence, so maybe they've got more problems than we have at the moment.
2: Potentially um the fact it's on the Thursday evening, no, probably gives them enough time to play a decent strength side for this one and, and turn it around for for Thursday and still not have any issues. So, I mean, it's difficult to know. Might be a distraction. Players may be sort of you know not not fully hundred percent committed for it. But um, but the way West Ham have played this season has has been really impressive. You know they've they've had full commitment in every game. Um, so I I don't know. I I would be wary going into this game. Um, if I was a Chelsea player thinking that any West Ham. Player would would have half an hour, on, uh, on nine track for him for just because West Ham aren't entirely out of the top four race. I think they're five points off. So if yeah. they lose this one, they probably are. So it's 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 a difficult one for them. But I, yeah, I wouldn't go into it thinking that that West Ham will have a half an hour on nine track. To be completely honest, because I think then you're setting yourself up for a fall.
0: Well, we will. They'll, they'll
2: step up anyway, won't
0: they? Well, step up anyway. Well, because they're playing Chelsea, they always yeah, do. I agree. They, they did it. They did it um, at the London Stadium. Yeah. They stepped up. They played much better than they played forget, in previous matches. And also, their fans will be absolutely up for it um, because it's Chelsea, and and they'll boy the, try and keep them going and buoy them up because they are very loud in the similar way to the Arsenal were. Well, the Arsenal, it's, Arsenal it's, are um, not normally really think... loud, but they were. They were well, on. They, they were well, on Wednesday. I, I, because we away fans, away, fans well. <laughs> away fans are yeah and also we didn't have a, a, a full compliment did we so it made sense that they, they 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 got through to they got through but also they were they were winning and scoring goals it it affects the way the crowd the crowd reacted well, I was, there JK. Were of people saying we, we were very sub, subdued you know yeah so, well i was going to ask you that was sub-
1: i couldn't be there because yeah. i was still in bed with covid uh but uh although I snuck out and watched it on a dodgy stream up in my office because I wasn't allowed in the living room for fear of infecting uh, my wife. But uh, I was going to ask you this because you you and Dan and Adam were all, all there on Wednesday and, you know, we know West Ham are going to be really up for it and they, they, they turn up, you know, uh, and make a big noise usually when they come to the bridge. Do you think that's going to make a difference on Sunday? Do you want to answer that, Dan? I don't know.
3: It's difficult. I think it's... Depends how the game starts. If Chelsea go on the front foot and start aggressively, then, you know, get an early goal, it changes the whole dynamic of the match. I still I still think players' mentality for West Ham is it's a European semi-final, they're not going to be 100% committed, I don't think. I just think it's for most of these players, this is the biggest game of their career. It's a European semi-final. Yes, they're at home, seven got to travel. I, I just think they might be distracted. And as, as they said, half their defence is missing. We need to get go at it, go early, go aggressive shut them up very quickly, very early, put the game to bed. And that changes the whole dynamic of the, the game. I just think we've got to be like Southampton, super aggressive, right at it for the first minute and kill the game before they get a chance to, you know, impact with their noise. Listen, we're missing 10,000 fans. It's going to make a huge difference. Did it, it, did, it, did it, did it make
1: a difference on, on Wednesday, do you think?
3: <sighs> I don't know. It's difficult to say. I mean, it, 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 was, it was fits and starts, the songs. There were a lot of songs, you know, Champions of Europe would never sing that, just like the old days, there's nobody here you know, Arsenal were more noisy because there's 10,000 less Chelsea fans on the ground. I think that's a bit of a, you know, a fallacy saying they were particularly noisy. They got, you know, it's difficult to say. I think we just need to go at it, aggressive, straight from the off, on the front foot, get an early goal, change the, change the whole crowd dynamics. We, we yeah. need to win this one, need to win it. And I, I, I think West Ham's minds will be on Thursday. Really just, I just think Claire's mentalities are, you know what, we're not going to get top four although we have a chance, we're not going to get top four. The Europa League is their best chance of getting the Champions League and they've
1: got a great chance of winning it. Yeah, absolutely. JK?
0: Um, yeah, it was it was sort of equal noise at the beginning, except there, as you say, Dan, that one, um, just like the old days, there's nobody here, which they just kept singing over and over and over again, tediously. But I think it really helps away support. If the first goal you give away is uh, a complete... Um, clangor like we had because they then yeah, there's a lot of laughter involved in their um crowing which they're very good at all the Arsenal fans and they crowed an enormous amount and I'm afraid when the goal went in the own goal went in I felt there was a kind of oh my god how many more times are we going to be doing this is this kind of a regular occurrence now and I felt that because the team played so badly there's always seems to be a correspondence with the crowd. People always say, yeah, but when your team's down, you should get, or you should get after you should get on them, get after them. That's when you're a true supporter. It doesn't happen like that. If your team's playing badly, I'm afraid you do not make much noise. That's what happens. And that's what happened. That's what happened in the game. So that's why there was this, this disparity between the two sets of supporters. Obviously, it was affected by the fact there were uh, less Chelsea supporters in the ground, but the Arsenal were very loud because we were um, because of the stupid goal and the fact that they scored, you know, they kept scoring. I mean, that was as, it was as obvious as that, you know. Yeah, I
1: think that's a really valid point, to be honest. I mean, Adam, what did you think about the atmosphere on Wednesday? And uh, leading into, is this a must win for Chelsea as well, I think?
2: Yes, it is a must win for Chelsea, because we don't want to slip back into that top four race. Uh, there is that little gap at the moment. I think it's five points. Um, but the last thing I think Chelsea need is another run-in where it's uncertain and, and every game is important. And it would be nice just to go into the last game of the season with the pressure off and you can actually have a good time at the game and not have to be concerned. Um, in terms of the atmosphere, I think I agree with Dan. You know, there, there, were, there were fits and starts. You know, There was some, some noise at some points, some good noise at some points, and, and then other points You know, in the second half, obviously, it did, it did dip off i don't know there was a bit of a subdued atmosphere at points and you know this is maybe you know maybe reading too much into it but i don't know maybe some supporters are a bit weary given everything else that's going on as well um around the club it is you know you arrive at stanford bridge and you see all these empty seats it's a very strong reminder of there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment um in terms of that that side of it so um but who knows i'm playing amateur psychologist i should probably leave that to the actual professional um well it's thank uh, you oh, thank you one, thank
1: you. Yes, one yes. last
2: thing i cannot find anything about trevor chaliver arriving oh, late no well,
1: maybe system. we made it up and we're trying to start <laughs> some fake news And I, I honestly i heard i've heard that from somewhere and it wasn't it wasn't from jonathan because i haven't seen him for a couple of weeks so it couldn't have been just me nicking it from him um now what was i going to say yes I think it's a very interesting point, one that we have overlooked a bit, perhaps. And, I mean, I remember we did talk about it after the international break, because I was saying that, you know, Tuchel had done this amazing job of keeping them all in a bubble until the international break. So, you know, they seemed to be fairly unharmed by what was going on or unaffected by what was going on with the selling of the club. And then they went off on their international breaks and they're talking to all their other uh, players, you know, people who play for other teams, they're in a bit of banter and suddenly they're aware of, the shit storm that we're in and maybe that that prick that bubble a bit and maybe Tuchel's found it harder to kind of you know bring corral them all back together and keep them shielded from that so I wonder if both the team and he are now actually beginning to be affected by what's going on I mean I I don't know is the honest answer Adam but you seem to be alluding to it
2: no I was I was saying just more from a, a fan weariness almost of it all um I think Tuchel so, so be-
1: we are the fans are
2: well, just a little bit because, you know, it's been going on a long time now and, and as a supporter, you want to know what direction your club is going and still, you know, that we don't know where what direction it's going to be going in come the next sort of six weeks. So maybe there is a, an element of that. Um, in terms of the players, I think Tucker would dismiss that pretty quickly as well as if you asked him it. Um, no matter even if there is some, an element of truth to it now, um, I think he would say no. Um, you know, nothing's changed at Cobham. There's no reason. Um, but... You know, the longer it drags on, the more uncertain certain players' futures become like Rudiger, and I don't know. Maybe it does start start to seep in for a while, but um, it's not something I've heard, and I'm sure it's not something people would agree with if you asked him to be honest.
3: Yeah, I think the players know what's going on. I mean, they've got their phones, they've got everything there. They're not going to be oblivious to what's going on. So whether you know it affects them or not, I don't know. But I think I think from a sports perspective, it's, it's incredibly unsettling, and you know, people who've got. Years and years and years of involvement, having this, we never had this uncertainty before ever. And maybe go back to the sort of the ball stroke, Marla State days when we were, they were trying to rebuild Stanford Bridge. But this is the first time in 30, 35, 40 years, you know, the, the existence of the club has been threatened, actually, you know, physically threatened. And it's, it's, it, is, it is emotional for a lot of people right now because, you, you know, there may not be a Chelsea football club. I know that's massively dramatic. There is a very, there is a possibility there might not be a Chelsea football club come next August. So you know, fans are, you know, are I don't yeah, it, emotionally drained. I mean, I, I know I am. The last sort of, you know, four or five weeks, with the stuff we've been doing on the trust and so on. I'm like literally emotionally, you know, it's just it's been it's been tough. It's been very tough. All Chelsea supporters right now because it's it's it's, it's a huge huge situation. We 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 want some clarity. We want to get the ownership taken over so we can go back to talking about football and ridiculous transfer rumours. So you know, as soon as this is done, the better.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I take your point, mate, because, I, 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 well, I don't know. I mean, I've I've kind of, you know, inadvertently been out of the game for a couple of weeks thanks to getting COVID, but there is an, there is an attritional quality about this. I mean, we were talking to Adam, weren't we, in part one, about the fact that it, it just, it, you know, we don't quite know when it's going to be over yet, and time is an issue. Um, but there is something quite attritional about it. Maybe our, our experience of it, Dan, is a little bit different from other people's because we've been so involved with it, you know, because of the trust dealings. But I can understand why there's a bit of a malaise around the support at the moment. And there's n- no no human being, just to keep Adam happy with a bit of psychotherapy, but no no human being likes uncertainty or change. And we are in the middle of a massive, massive, massive dump of uncertainty. And we know for sure as eggs that we are going to have some change. So maybe that is affecting the support. Anyway, enough of all of that. I need some predictions from you lovely people uh adam first how do you see it going what do you think the score is going to be
2: uh i'm going to go 2-1 chelsea i don't think it's going to be overly pretty but i hope slash suspect that they will get the job done just about
1: yeah i think you see two ones what what i call in premier prem predictions uh chelsea fan prem prediction terms i call that the percentages prediction And actually, that's exactly what I'm going for, Adam, because basically I have no bloody idea. So I'm just saying, I think and I hope Chelsea will win, but I think it'll be tight and I don't really know. So I'm totally with you there, mate. Uh, Dan, what about you, mate?
3: Uh, I'm going for a 2-0 win. I think we'll just, I think West Ham will be a little bit distracted by Thursday. I think we'll just have enough to win 2-0.
1: 2-0. So 2-1, 2-1, 2-0. JK, please give me at least a 4-0 to make me happy. 2-2 2-2 2-2 two. 2-2 two, two. seriously yeah
0: yep. explain uh I, I don't think we i don't think we'll play well enough i don't think that i think there's a problem playing at home i don't think that we'll play well enough and uh, i think we're um we're not quite up for it and i don't think um having he had a chat with them the other day and they played very well when they were playing away but i think um West Ham will be very up for it. And uh, I think we may go 2-0 up, and I think they may score two goals. Oh, there we go. Or whatever happens, we'll come back. I just think there'll be two goals. I'm just... Um, uh, I'm I'm feeling a bit um, uh, negative about uh, the team at the moment. I just feel if if Cheek plays, uh, he's so weak um, that they'll just play through him. Um, unless he's bolstered. I just think not playing Rudy... That's why, that's why I want North three in midfield.
1: That's why I want three in midfield,
0: really
1: yeah yeah i think i think if you play play cheek with kante you got a problem if you play cheek with georginio you got a problem if you play cheek kante and georginio you know I, that's yeah. why i was really saying it well well done you for being different and let's hope it doesn't end up as two two uh right we are about to toddle off um but we will be back We will be back on Monday for the main Chelsea fancast show with me and JK, obviously, and as yet undecided guests because I have not yet completed the schedule, as they will know. Uh, But we'll be back on air at 7pm and we'll be looking back, obviously, at the match against West Ham and we'll be looking ahead to the Premier League match against Man United next Thursday. It never stops. Uh, But there you go. So, uh, Dan, uh, lovely to see you. Haven't seen you for ages. Really nice to see you again, my friend. Thank you.
3: It's to be back and let's roll on Beat the Hammers let's make it a happy weekend.
1: Yes, indeed. Not happy for the Hammers, obviously. No. Uh, Adam, an absolute privilege. We've we've had you for the whole bloody show. What can I say?
2: Oh, thank you very much for having me. Let me stick around as always.
1: We love you know, seeing you, mate. Bad,
2: bad team selection predictions.
1: Uh, we love seeing you. You know that. And as for you, Mister Stamford uh, Bridge, I almost said Chidge then. Mister Stamford Bridge himself. Uh, the veritable legend that is Jonathan. Good, I missed you last week. I really missed you. It's lovely to see you again.
0: Oh, I, I was wondering whether I could have done it from the stand at, uh, at uh, Craven Cottage, but yeah. um, so yeah, you, is that your agent on the phone, on Dan? The
1: phone. Is that your agent, Dan, or is it Jonathan's agent?
0: I, no, think I, must I don't be, have that kind it must, of. It's
1: Dan's agent clearly? Mate, mate, lovely to see you. I'll I'll see you again on Monday. Uh, But uh, you lot in mixed lovely to see. Lovely to see you people too. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills.
0: Up the chills. Up the chills.